Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. I hope everybody listening to this, the entire Ready crew, had an absolutely wonderful Merry Christmas. If you celebrated Hanukkah, I hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah. And if you celebrate Kwanzaa, I hope you had a wonderful Kwanzaa. If you happen to celebrate another holiday I haven't mentioned, I hope it was a wonderful one. I actually tried recording this episode on Christmas Eve to get it out, and I had such a finite amount of time in the morning to get it done, and it just, I don't know, something wasn't clicking about it. Um, And I I, I try to give you guys the best of my uh, my ability. Maybe it's just because it was the morning. I usually try to record these kind of later at night after work. Uh, sometimes if I have to, I'll do one in the morning, but yeah, most, most of my recording times are in the evening. So trying to wake up and wipe out your sleep, get all the dust out of your eyes and then trying to like record something. It just sometimes doesn't come out the best uh, of your ability. So, um, this just got held off a day or so. So I do apologize, but I wish you a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a happy Kwanzaa and a happy holidays. But now that the holidays are over, which trust me as a retail worker is is like our Christmas is after Christmas when we can actually just kind of breathe a little bit from all of that rush. Uh, So now that that's over with, things will be moving on into the new year. And with all of the little extra downtimes here and there, I will be adding more to this show. I have the uploads for some Nickbox unboxings coming to YouTube. I have an unboxing that I have to record of the very first bikini bottom box because you know... If I'm going to run a SpongeBob podcast, I am absolutely going to buy the bikini bottom box. Uh, I am a, I'm a firm believer in what Culturefly does with the Nickelodeon products. I've seen a few of their other boxes um, for other like series and whatnot, and they've been okay. But as a Nickelodeon fan, we have been absolutely blessed by them. So stay tuned for those on our uh, YouTube channel and Facebook pages. Uh, now let's look into this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. This week in Nickelodeon history, 19 years ago, on December 21st, 2001, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, was released in theaters. This is a big moment for Nickelodeon in a lot of ways, and Jimmy Neutron is is so vital to Nickelodeon without you even realizing it. Um, Jimmy Neutron actually has a lot of firsts under his belt with this movie, and we'll get into those. But before we get into what happened on December 21st, 2001, we got to talk a little bit about the story of Jimmy Neutron, where he came from, and how he got to the big screen. Now, the creator, John A. Davis, claims that back in the 1980s, he started thinking about a concept of a show about a super genius boy. Um, Now, for the longest time, the name of this character was Johnny Quasar, uh, and the show was called The Adventures of Johnny Quasar, which eventually would get there, but it actually didn't even start out as a show. So John A. Davis works for a uh, studio in Dallas called DNA Productions. Of course, for anyone who has watched Jimmy Neutron, you know Paul, the three-eyed monkey. That is their that is their logo. Uh, there's another founder of DNA Productions, Keith Alcorn, and between uh, Davis and Alcorn, they created a 40-second proof of concept demo film. 
which I believe was made with Lightwave 3D, which is a computer graphics program. Uh, it was one of the first ones commercially available at the time. Uh, so they created this 40-second pilot, basically, that showed Johnny Quasar in his rocket with his robot dog Goddard flying through an asteroid belt. Um, th this was shown at conventions uh, because at the time you got to understand in the 80s and 90s there, you know, the internet wasn't as it is today so for somebody to show off what they could do to businesses that's why you would they would host conventions and you know uh, now these days if you were to create something like um, the Johnny Quasar demo film you would just upload it to YouTube but Unfortunately, DNA Productions didn't have YouTube at the time, so uh, they hit the convention circuit. And this was getting a lot of buzz in the convention circuit, this video. Like, it blew people away to see 3D graphics uh, because even through the late 90s, they were still a relatively new concept. Uh, Toy Story, even though it came out in 1995 and being the first theatrical film made entirely from computers, it, it, when you saw it, it was still special even when it looked terrible like if you go back and look at shows like reboot uh and even kind of transformers beast wars like that very early 3d it's terrible but it has like a, a timely charm to it if you grew up in that era if you didn't there's there's probably no convincing you on uh on those early 3d projects so Johnny Quasar and Goddard were actually featured in a few magazines at the time. This was a big deal. Uh, people uh, in the industry looked at this as a high point. It caught the attention of Steve Odenkirk, who was at the time when he saw this, I think like 96, 97, he had, um, was a consultant on the, Ace, the first Ace Ventura movie, was the director and writer of the second Ace Ventura movie, and was the writer of The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Steve Odenkirk ha has a huge back catalog of other movies that he's helped. I mean, he helped to write Bruce Almighty. He, of course, starred, wrote, and directed Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, Evan Almighty. There, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, so when he approached these two at the time, he and and the other two creators helped put together a pilot for the adventures of Johnny Quasar. And they took this pilot to Nickelodeon, who immediately just became enthralled with the character. They absolutely love it. Albie Hecht, the then president at Nickelodeon at the time, described Johnny Quasar as a half Bart Simpson, half Albert Einstein. And and he couldn't be more right. It, it very much is, is as if Albert Einstein was a Bart Simpson-esque child. Although Jimmy Neutron is not looking to prank people as much as Bart Simpson would want to do with those kind of powers. But, uh, you know, I can still see where he's coming from. Uh, they they absolutely loved the character and they immediately commissioned for a 13-minute uh, pilot episode to be created, which then took the concept of their pilot, which was Runaway Rocket Boy and expanded on it to 13 minutes. Um, there was a few years uh, with this project. It started production in late 1997 and was completed by 1998. Johnny Quasar's name was changed, though, at the, uh, at the behold of Nickelodeon because they didn't want to confuse people, I guess, with Johnny Quest and Captain Quasar. So a few names were tossed around and eventually Jimmy Neutron was decided on. After the pilot was completed, though, uh, the executives at Nickelodeon were impressed so much they started tossing around a lot of budget.
buzzwords about, you know, the TV series and how big this could be and landed on a theatrical film as well. And I guess when Stephen Odenkirk heard about this, decided, hey, we should do the, the movie first because the extra money we'll be able to have with making a movie will let us create better models for the characters that then can be reused for the TV show. And I guess everybody agreed with this, but of course Nickelodeon were a bit on the fence because why would we create a movie of a character that nobody knows about? There's no TV show for kids to you know get acquainted with to go see this movie. So they decided to just make a bunch of those shorts that if you grew up with Nickelodeon at the time, you definitely remember seeing of Jimmy Neutron, which I think aired like all year long before this movie came out. By the time the movie came out, it felt as if Jimmy Neutron was already a Nicktoon. Like, I would say by September of that year, three or four months before the movie even came out, Jimmy Neutron was so heavily used in advertising and was positioned alongside other Nicktoons that it just, I don't know, it felt... It, it, like it felt for a reason to go see that movie because he was kind of he fit in with all the other characters so well. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And to be honest, Jimmy, even though he was pretty much the first 3D Nicktoon, uh, really fit in well. Uh, I know some people consider Action League now as its own separate Nicktoon, and and it's a sure it's a Nicktoon, but I don't know. There, there's something about the first 3D cartoon character that that always I don't know. He sits so well next to a bunch of the other Nicktoons characters, but the movie was uh, was greenlit in fall 1999 with a 30 million dollar budget, and was actually started in February 2000, and was finished in 24 months, which apparently is roughly half the time that most other CG films were completed. Now, to be honest, I can I can see that in the movie. I mean, if you gave these guys another two years, I think the movie would have looked e- e- ten times better. But let me tell you, I just rewatched Jimmy Neutron because now we're here. It's December 21st, 2001. Movie's out. What do I think about it? Well, in preparation of talking about this, I actually rewatched Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius on Netflix. So if you've never seen the movie and you have a Netflix account, by all means, pull it up. There is something beautifully bizarre about that movie. Now, as a kid, I don't think a kid could watch that movie and find many flaws in the story or the plot or anything else uh, through a critical mind. But when you're an adult and you try to watch those movies, you start noticing things that you didn't notice before. And over the couple, over the last, I would say, 15 years of my life, I have anytime I've watched that movie, I have found something else to think about. Like, for example, why is it that only seemingly the parents of this one school were taken, but everybody's missing in the entire town? There's no teenagers. All even the cops are gone. Sam from the candy bar is nowhere to be found. I don't think he had children, so were all the adults taken in town? Well, then where are the rest of the adults? Are, are, were they taken to different parts of Yokus? I, I These are the questions I have, but here's the crazy thing. When I called the movie Beautifully Bizarre, the bizarre part is you notice these things, or you notice these inconsistencies and, and plot details that don't make sense. But that's when the beautiful part hits in. The writing from Steve Odenkirk absolutely shines in this movie and the voice acting done 
makes it even better because the characters of this movie are so entertaining. They are so charming. They're so likable that you simply don't care that parts of the story make sense or how all these kids could have the exact same type lever letter and nobody really questions anything. Um, there's a lot of things about this movie and, and even with the look of it, it when you've watched the TV show and you can see over the course of a few seasons how much they have perfected that animation style. The world of Jimmy Neutron feels you feels so good and feels right and completed and built. But then you go back and watch the movie and you're like stripped back of a lot of those extra characters, a lot of those extra visual details, a lot of those extra, you know, smooth movements. And you're back to the original and you're like, oh, this doesn't look as good. But man, those characters. Mm, so perfect. I absolutely love them. I adore them. We all love Carl. But come on, we all love Sheen and Jimmy too, and even Cindy has the, has some love out there. Uh, Hugh Neutron, just one of the best dads in television history. Come on now, but uh, but then you also not to forget the villains of the movie. We have Patrick Stewart as King Gubot and Martin Short as Ublar. Absolutely wonderful, entertaining villains. Uh, just. If you have not seen this movie, uh, this isn't like a review or anything, but it, it is one of the better Nickelodeon movies. I don't think it gets talked about. And I know I mentioned some firsts here. Well, here are some firsts. This this first one I already knew of because it was the first time. It was a big deal if you were a fan of animation at the Academy Awards They uh, the following year. They actually uh, started a Best Animated Feature for the Academy Awards, and Jimmy Neutron was a part of the first nominations of that category. Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius is the first Nickelodeon movies property to have any recognition at the Academy Awards, so that, that's a big deal. Now, Jimmy Neutron didn't win. He lost to Shrek, but I'm sure the internet could all collectively agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have to agree with it too. That first Shrek movie is absolutely, uh, it, it's just one of a kind. You can't, you can't beat that. Um, but also, and I didn't know this until I started doing research, uh, about Jimmy Neutron, but the, this movie was the very first CGI movie to be made with all commercially accessible programs. Like the first one to be released in theaters, not the first one ever to be made, but yeah, the first completely from the ground up made on commercially available programs to be released in theaters. I think that's pretty cool. And it's a shame that, that that's not that little factoid isn't, isn't shared more on the internet than, uh, than it already is because I, I was like, man, 19 years and I never knew that little, little factoid. So, um, of course, Jimmy Neutron went to live on on the television show, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, which I, I will talk more about when when that comes up. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Neutron is also kind of in the rumblings of, of a reboot here. And with Paramount Plus coming up, I have to think that if they want people to subscribe to that service, they got to go beyond just offering what's available on television. They're going to need some exclusive series. And with the announcement of a... Uh, iCarly revival and with already the rumblings of Jimmy Neutron here and there and there's a few videos online like from Valesky Bum who who talked about kind of all of the news surrounding Jimmy Neutron there is a lot of smoke and there's no smoke without fire so I think that a Jimmy Neutron revival 
Uh, and I'm not talking about a reboot, like to to you know wipe the slate clean and start off. Uh, start off fresh but with a fourth season I think a return to Jimmy Neutron to Paramount Plus is a very big possibility uh, because Nickelodeon may not want to do more Jimmy Neutron but Paramount Viacom is going to be in charge of this streaming service and if they want Jimmy Neutron if you tell them we want new Jimmy Neutron if they say there's no more Jimmy Neutron, Nickelodeon, I don't think could tell them no. That's their boss. That's their owner. So uh, I, I see that definitely happening some down the road. So uh, if you have Netflix, check out Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Not an ad. Uh, if you don't have Netflix, track down the DVD because it's still not available on Blu-ray. Uh, Paramount with their like anti-Nicktoons Blu-ray. This needs to stop too. Maybe we'll start that as a as a change.org petition and uh and get paramount to release all these like they've had spongebob yes but but come on wild thornberries the all three rugrats movies hey arnold jimmy neutron we need to see these things in 1080p blu-ray restoration i demand it now before we get on to today's episode of spongebob squarepants we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to watch something smells magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. Welcome back. And today we are tackling the episode Something Smells. Now... This is a big deal for me because I, I am a candle person, for those that don't know. I, I do enjoy a, a nice candle in the room. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had a candle um, made by, I forgot, D.W. Home. I believe that's what it's called, or L.W. Either way, it's Warm Tobacco Pipe. Now, I am not a, uh, a tobacco person, but there is a, a slight smell of a pipe that that smells kind of nice and i i had this candle in my room and a couple of years ago it was the only candle i had in my desk um that i would pull out once in a while and unfortunately for me uh it was the last candle i would have in my room because there was a day where i accidentally knocked it over out while it was lit and the uh the the wax went everywhere and coated like an ipad that i had to eventually uh, I it was terrible. I lost like three towels in this ordeal. Um, it, it'll it's one for the history books. So when I saw warm tobacco pipe the other day while I was doing some Christmas shopping, I was like, you know what? I think it's time for a return. And and what better yet to, to what episode to to bring back a candle on my desk than something smells? Uh, this is the 
the part of the third, the second episode of season two, the third episode overall, and the first one to air with their new animation style, digital coloring. Um, it first debuted October 26, 2000, and if you'd like to watch along with me, uh, you can press play now. Although I will say I am skipping the intro today. I know, sacrilegious, uh, but time is of the essence, if you will. So if you would like to watch along with me, you can uh, you can press play on however you're watching SpongeBob right now, and you should be at the Something Smells title screen. Uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, this episode aired two days before my uh, my tenth birthday, which was pretty crazy. Uh, I am I am an October baby. Um, I don't remember if I was watching. I know I was watching any new episodes of shows I could, but uh, I may have missed this live. I don't remember. But this gag in the beginning was actually, uh, with, with SpongeBob's bed flinging him towards a calendar, was used before in season one when SpongeBob uh, was having his boating exam. Um, th this is an episode, there are, there are a lot in season two and three that have become... Such daily quotes for me, and especially in the beginning of this episode, there are a lot of uh, moments that I would use in my everyday life. Um, SpongeBob's just sarcasm, just being out of ice cream, and just his optimism of concocting something together. Now, I have never eaten a uh, ketchup, onion, and peanut dirt sundae, and I don't think I ever will, uh, <laughs> but... I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast and I feel I feel like there's a lot of fans out there that agree with me that you have these moments or quotes that must just there isn't a day that goes by where, where you don't think about it. You know, uh, it, if I see a bowl of ketchup, I'm going to immediately think of SpongeBob and think of this episode. His lack of smelling, though, is kind of bothering me. And the fact that seeing all of that stench come through his poor his uh, his holes there, it, it does bother me that his lack of of uh, noticing the smell that's exuding from him. We've all had bad breath. And if you if you go day to day with the same bad breath and you don't brush your teeth or use mouthwash, it, that negative smell will then just become a part like it, your your body will almost negate it, let it smells it because it's become so normal to it. My father had moved into an apartment that was right down the street from a farm with a absolutely heavy uh, manure smell. Like when you drove, I I could be like a half a mile from his house, and in that smell will will already kind of hit you. And then when you get closer, it's like a boot of stench hitting you in the face. But I guess after like three or four months living there, he completely lost the the sense of the manure. Like he would, you know, even even when he would leave, he would go to work and he would come home and not smell a thing. It just became completely normal to him. So that's what happens to you. Uh, shout out to this band with that absolutely has a didgeridoo player. That is so funny to me. And I actually knew I don't know how many kids watching this even knows about a didgeridoo but uh i'm going to hopefully uh impress like one of you in the world but when i was a kid one of my favorite websites to go to to play online games was ezone.com and ezone.com is still around although i, I think all of their games were on flash so i don't know what happened to them 
but they had a kind of mascot character named Lenny Loosejox, who is an Australian uh, human, pretty much who just wear blue shorts. That was it. He was shirtless. He had this these crazy like orange dread type type hair. And one of my favorite games of his was Lenny Loosejox Walkabout. And it was this very weird, like top down open world game and like a grid style where there was different uh, places to go and, and mini games to play. And there was a there was kind of like an adventure and the characters were so unique and I absolutely adored the world. But the one part I didn't mention here is that if well, the key word there was walkabout, but he was Australian and that's where I kind of learned about like didgeridoos and different kind of Australian esque uh, animals and other things around the area like cane toads. And there was a mini game where he had to run over cane toads. And then I did research looking up. Why does Australians run over cane toads? And you learn about that stuff. But anyway, that's a crazy, <laughs> I don't know another time to bring up Lenny loose shocks than when there's a, a didgeridoo player <laughs> on SpongeBob. But this is a, this was one thing I didn't think about until going to the to the uh, SpongeBobopedia, uh, but there is a pretty high death count in this in this episode. I don't know if anybody anybody has ever pieced this together. Uh, Norton's body's body layers fall apart. Uh, SpongeBob's reflection uh, smashes himself with a hammer. Although I don't really want to count that one. Uh, two fish reel themselves up with a hook. Uh, SpongeBob causes a car to explode. SpongeBob's bad breath causes two fish to go belly up in the movie theater. And uh, another fish gets her face destroyed by SpongeBob's bad breath, uh, which is very crazy. Here we have a nice Phantom of the Opera reference, which I can I can certainly appreciate. I, I love the story of the ugly barnacle. It's just it, Patrick here is is one of my favorite versions of Patrick he's oblivious to parts of the world and he is certainly dumb but he's at least competent enough to somewhat be helpful uh he just hasn't reached that level yet where he was just dumb all around and just made terrible decisions every second and like that's funny when when Patrick makes a terrible decision but uh I like these moments where He's legitimately trying to help SpongeBob and and even successfully does help him with good advice. Patrick, you know, told him to basically this the whole screaming thing. It might seem silly, but have you ever just tried screaming? Have you ever been in like a really just you feel like your anxiety is just being held in your body and you have no control? You should just find, you know, go in a car, drive out somewhere and just scream at the top of your lungs. You will feel a thousand times better. I promise you. Uh, I, I've tried it a few times in my life. Just a good big scream comes out and you feel a little better. There's been a one, one point where I didn't, but it was worth a try. Uh, I'm ugly and I'm proud. And of course, one of my favorite memes of all time is there was some video with Justin Bieber he was doing an interview and I think he said something about about how he creates music it was something about music and then they cut to Squidward 
doing his thing right there of hearing SpongeBob and Patrick yell, I'm ugly and I'm proud, or hearing SpongeBob yell, and turning to him and going, is that what he calls it? It's one of my favorite like SpongeBob meme moments because uh, it might have been during the Vine times. I don't know how many Viners are out there remember, but here we see this poor woman who has her entire face and hair just implode from SpongeBob's bad breath. And then, of course, we have this this nice fish who is just you know completely accepted of SpongeBob's uh, ugliness. Told him it wasn't going to matter. Not at all, boy. Your your ugliness is not going to disrupt my movie. And then uh, smack in the face with some bad breath. Um, and it, it, see, thinking about the end of this episode, SpongeBob smells Patrick's bad breath, but didn't wasn't able to smell his own. Uh, maybe SpongeBob has constant bad breath, but it's never bad enough to be visible or nobody says anything to him. And so right under his nose, it's become so normal of an everyday thing, which is crazy because now that I'm saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, SpongeBob brushes his teeth every day. Why would he have bad breath? And I don't know. I Maybe it's just he just has such a problem that no matter how much he brushes his teeth or takes care of his his oral hygiene, <laughs> he, uh, I just, the visual of Patrick at the, at the candy counter. Um, but yeah, for all, all, we mentioned this on a, on a previous episode, but Patrick's eyebrows, I believe this is the first time they went to their, their current Z shape because in the first season, Patrick's eyebrows were, were basically sideways M's. They looked like he had, you know, some furred eyebrows, but, uh, I I always have preserved preferred the Z ones ten times better. It visually it just looks cleaner. It looks nicer. It, <laughs> I really want to know what Path- Patrick's bathroom joke would have been. I don't know <laughs> if it was a bathroom joke. I wonder how if it would have been dirty or if it would have even made sense. Uh, but it's so it's just funny that Patrick was gave all that advice to SpongeBob about taking his ugly by the horns and taking control of it. And then the second he thinks he's ugly. No, I can't. I was one of the beautiful people. I can't be ugly. This, this is a well-written Patrick star. And you know what? One thing I completely forgot about, which uh, is great to bring up here. This is the first episode to, uh, to have CH Greenblatt as a writer, Uh, which for those that don't know, C.H. Greenblatt, he created possibly one of my favorite underrated Nicktoons, Chowder, on Cartoon Network. If you have never watched Chowder and you're a fan of Spongebob, go watch every episode of Chowder. It has some very underrated comedic moments, and I absolutely love that show. Uh, But C.H. Greenblatt uh, worked with Spongebob for for a while, and this was the first episode I guess he helped write. So uh, you can certainly see some of... Uh, some of the same humor you would eventually get in Chowder in this episode, and it's it's remarkable. Uh, I I oh, <laughs> uh, anytime anybody asks me what I've eaten, uh, I like <laughs> some roast beef, a chicken, a pizza. No, this morning, some roast beef, a chicken, a pizza. Uh, the fact that their smell is so bad that it can actually like ruin the movie theater is is gross like don't eat ketchup onions and dirt apparently 
apparently Squidward had a cutout line here at the end. Um, let's see. It was mentioned that uh, after SpongeBob and Patrick hug him, they run away and he would say, ugly and smelly, two for one. But it was cut due to the whole screen fading to black at the end. Uh, so we missed out on that little on that little line there, which from Squidward would have been funny, but we know he's kind of full of it. And that was something smells uh, like I can't express how these first few episodes in season two really set the stage for SpongeBob moving forward. And I, I don't know which first one coming up in season two, I, I would think would be a bump in the road. But as far as I can see, this is just upwards trajectory and it just is going to continue getting better. Uh, I, I can't express how much episodes like this have an impact on me. As I've mentioned, there's there's moments in here and a lot of these current episodes that we're going through in season two that have moments that are just encased in my everyday life or if something specific gets brought up. If someone ever mentions a peanut plant, I'm going to think of this episode of SpongeBob and the moments in this episode. So uh, I, I don't know where it falls on my season two ranking, but it, it's got to be up near the top. Yes, everybody, it is time to dig into the snail mailbox. If you would like to write into me your questions, comments, and suggestions, you can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com. U-F-O-N-Y-X. Please leave your name, where you are from, and if you have any shout-outs uh, that you'd like me to make on the show, by all means, you can write me in there. I only had one question this week, but it was a question that uh, that... I was thinking about absolutely all week and it was from Miranda from Oak Ridge who wrote to me and asked, uh, dear Captain Eric, if you had to create a Nicktoons spinoff, what would you do? Um, and I, I don't really get to ask like preliminary questions. Like, um, am I allowed to make a spinoff to a spinoff or I, I, it just seemed like such open-ended if I could do whatever I wanted and had unlimited power in this situation, I think I would create a show around Ultralord. Now, one of the first ideas I had with this question was to create a show basically called PS 118 and, and have a, have it as a Hey Arnold spinoff that wouldn't necessarily it would have episodes around Arnold, but it would also have episodes primarily around other characters of PS 118. But then I thought like, Hey Arnold already did that. Hey, Hey Arnold had plenty of episodes that were about other characters. So that really didn't work out in my head. And the character I kept coming to, I was, I was even thinking about possibly like a powdered toast man, ultra Lord, like taking all of the fictional superheroes, the crimson chin from all of these Nicktoons and kind of putting them together. But I kept going back to Ultra Lord, and maybe it was because there, there was a lot of Jimmy Neutron talk for this episode, and I had just watched the movie. But uh, I, I think there's something there. I mean, Butch Hartman tried with Crash Nebula to create a spinoff, and although that TV movie is is pretty decent, it certainly was not. Um, I, I really don't think it was good enough to be its own show i don't know there was there was i enjoyed watching it but even when i've gone back and watched it again it's like w would you want to see more more from this universe and i i guess i don't think i'm the only one who would say no i i wouldn't mind another tv movie like if they kept making kind of hour-long specials but i don't think as a show 
maybe i don't know i guess i'd have to i'd have to see what other ideas they'd have or or how to expand on the characters more it should have there should have been more crash nebula but there wasn't and I think that I always loved that episode, Ultra Sheen, in which Sheen and Jimmy and Carl go into the video games. Uh, of course, Carl really doesn't go into the end, but uh, I love Ultra Lord and Robo Fiend, and I think I'd like to see that expanded a bit more. But the way I would frame it is make it a, make it a rebooted Ultra Lord show that Sheen is behind, like he's the executive producer for. And so you get these other villains and characters that are pretty much people like Sheen is pulling from people he knows to create a villain. Like imagine taking Sam, the candy bar uh, owner, and creating a villain out of that for Ultra Lord to fight. Like it doesn't have to take place in Retroville, uh, but imagine Sheen taking the Yokians and writing them as villains for Ultra Lord, taking past experiences, a Professor Calamitous type character, a beautiful, gorgeous type character. And I think that would be really cool to create new characters, but they're still familiar. And I don't know, there, there's something about that. That like that idea kept coming into my head and I kept thinking like, no, that's not good enough as a spinoff. But I, I'm really proud of that. Uh, that idea. So yeah, my my idea for a spinoff would be an Ultra Lord type show, executive produced by uh, by Sheen Estevez. So that is it for this episode of the Squarecast. Again, I hope you all had a wonderful holiday, and I will see you all here next week. <laughs> Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. <laughs>